Georgia, Georgia. The whole day through. Hello and welcome once again to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast. This show that you're listening to with your ear holes features the open-minded musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons staring at the prospect of entertainment relevance. No, in like in like a month and a half, uh, I am solidly in the mid-40s. Solidly. I you, Mathematically, yeah, solid. I I can't become any more mid forties than I will. Uh, you you are rounded up to fifty. That's true. Uh, but yeah, it's sad, and that's that little gap, that one little month gap every year where you are numerically older than me. It's like a an age brigadoon, right? It's like a little traveling yeah, exactly. village, yeah, something like that. Well, uh, age brigadoon. <laughs> I I am your co-host of this show that you're listening to. Uh, that introduction that I just gave, sterling introduction. My name is Bill Scurry, Sorry. and I am the. Uh, Chief proprietor of something called American Senior Enterprises, which is a business front uh, which which only has some invoices sent to Noah Tarno as proof of its existence. Uh, my name is Noah Tarno, I'm founder, senior quiz master of the Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show spectacular, America's premier provider of corporate and private trivia events. Uh, you know, s- since you. they are rounding me up, it's not helping at all with the yeah. uh, immun- immunization bracket in terms of the age groups. You'd figure that. It- yeah. What. A- what are they doing now in the Netherlands? What's the what's the, the threshold at the moment? Uh, it's between clogs and fucking waffles. Uh, the threshold right now, I think, is still 1955 to 1950. Jesus. That's what they're up to right now. Jeez. It's, it's bad. I was talking yesterday to my, uh, my friend in Germany. She said they were 70 and above and like... Next week or in two weeks, they're going fifty and above. Yeah, it may which it, is good news for her because she's over fifty. It may get but, it may yeah. get quickly. The problem is, is that when um, there was just an article that was published today, um, the 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 sort of CDC in the Netherlands said that you know they they took their foot off the gas pedal with J and J the vaccines while the clot studies right. were going yeah. on, and they said you know that's a homegrown homegrown thing that comes from Leiden here. That's the town that uh, Rembrandt was from in Leiden of all places. Keep that in your keep that that'll cut that'll pay off later in the episode. No, it totally won't. Um, but but it's like they you know they they the Dutch were extremely uh, t- timorous about these things as they have been every single step of the way. They'd rather do less than than more. I, I've groused about this off the mic to Noah. Um, and they they announced, and this may not seem like a big deal, but they said thirteen people confirmed uh, died who didn't have to die because of the fact that they ceased uh, injections to wait for the clotting study. Now, again, you know, right. in terms of like a country where you know tens of thousands of people are in you know ICU care, and I mean, I don't want to sound callous about it. Thirteen people, you could just say is a statistical, you know, but that that was the way they were saying like this is what it really cost us. The fact that we did this, we we pulled, we pumped the brakes on it, actually could have hypothetically killed thirteen people for all we know. Uh, which is why yeah. you know it's like this. That's I think it was like get your ass together, guys. You know, like you really have an impetus to you know light speed this thing. And so far, they've been very poor about doing that here. And I'm sure Germany, like you yeah. said, how much better. Yeah, the EU. I mean, the impression I get, I'm no expert, is that the EU made a strategic mistake that the United States did not, yeah. which is they didn't cut the right kind of deals with the pharmaceutical companies. Although apparently the UK did the right thing too. Yes. Well, they they so, have they have. I guess Brexit's working. <laughs> I think the the EU they have a, it was with the Ox, Oxford that's I forget that's AstraZeneca which now is that's the, the yeah. workhorse of what's being done here is AstraZeneca has been and that yeah. is most of our English friends if anybody you know in the UK whether it's uh, Wales or Cornwall or 
England, the chances are they got the AstraZeneca. That's the, the, the controversial AstraZeneca vaccine. That's what is doing. The is it Cornwall in Wales? No, Cornwall is Am I wrong south of Wales. Cornwall is, yeah, Wales is sort of like next to Weston. And then uh, Cornwall is like that jutting protuberance of land that goes like out towards Jersey, I think. It, Wait, so what? But, but, but the UK is... Is is England, Wales, Northern Ireland, Scotland, Scotland, and Northern Ireland, and then like places like Isle of Man. So what is Cornwall in? Cornwall. It's a ceremonial county in southwest England. Yes. Okay, I stand corrected. It is not in Wales. It is technically in England. Yes. You learn something on I don't get it. The pop culture get off my long cast. You learn something about Great Britain geography. Noah, nice. speaking of uh, English <laughs> geography, place names. Yeah, and, and very relevant the, vir- to the Virgin today. Queen Victoria and King George, yes. uh, which uh, that is yes. my segue towards the uh, t- topic we're talking yeah. about this week. Sure, sure. <laughs> the irony is, we. I feel like uh, it would have been a valid topic in recent months, and maybe we could even get back to it, of like the controversy among the Brits. You know, sometimes we talk about things, you know, we talked about... Um, What's her name? Uh, uh, God, how sad is it? I can't remember her name. Alec Baldwin's wife. Oh, Hilaria Baldwin. Yeah. Baldwin. So we could have talked about like, ooh, the controversy in the British family, Harry and Meghan leaving, all that. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'd be willing to get back to that at some point. Well, I, I think, not this week. Not no, this that's week. true. I think they're they're actually going to have serious talks to reform the monarchy. They may they may change the pecking order. Um, who knows what's going to happen? But I well, hear they might, that they yeah. actually do need to have some sort of discussion. No, but but for- I have a theory. That the only thing holding them together is everyone loves Elizabeth. And that when she dies, Charles, I mean, I don't think they'll completely get rid of the monarchy, but who's going to give it? I mean, I'll tell you, what I read about Charles, I actually kind of like Charles. I don't get why people are down on him. I think he sounds like, considering who he is, an okay dude. But, like, no one cares about him, and he'll be 80 years old by then anyway. So, like... I don't know. I, I just I don't know what's going to become of it at that point. And even if they skip him and go straight to William, who people seem to like more, like who cares anymore? Yeah. Right? No, it's it's um, yeah. Well, you, but again, this is not our topic this week. It isn't, and it may soon be. No, but Noah, for all intents and purposes, this week we are talking about yeah. something called Ginny and Georgia. Hence the the Ginny and Georgia, Victoria yes. and George reference up front. Yes. Yeah, so Ginny and Georgia is oh, our yeah. subject. We are talking about an hour long dramedy slash comedy. Slash drama. It's a lot of things. Yeah, it's a lot Dr- of wait, things. Dramedy slash comedy. Slash Think drama. That, slash dude. drama. Yeah. Slash drama. Yeah. Drama. No, get it. Drama slash dramedy slash comedy. <laughs> yes. But even beyond that, there's like mystery. I yes. mean, this thing is just like, it's a bit of a mess. I got to be honest. A scorching thriller. Yeah, all these things. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, th- this. A this is a program. This is a television program. Uh, which which yeah. appears on the Netflix streaming channel available on your By set. the way, I yeah. need to tell you something about that. So we're probably going back to 10 years ago. I was doing a public big quiz thing event, and I had a question like, what TV show, blah, 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 blah. And the answer was Orange is the New Black. And some nerd criticized me. He said, that's not a television show. It's not on television. It's on Netflix. And I had to, I don't think I was able to in the moment, pull rank on him and say like, you know, the Emmys or whoever officially classifies programs on Netflix, you know, original programming as television shows. So, haha, nerd who name I don't know and probably wrote a shitty Yelp review for me the next night. So, so you, you win. Well, anyway, like I, was, I win. Like I was saying, uh, Ginny and George is available on the Netflix streaming television channel, which, which of course, no, is available on your set top cable box. 
It is. Yeah. That's actually true. It is. So uh, this show... If I had a TV, yeah. If the show follows the adventures of a family of three, uh, Mother Georgia, daughter Ginny, Virginia is kind of one of the leitmotifs. She keeps correcting people who call her Virginia. Her name is Ginny, her preferential. Uh, Sober K is Ginny. And a son named Austin. So you see there's a geography bent to their names. That too is a little bit of a leitmotif. Um, this family relocates uh, to a fictional Massachusetts town called Wellsbury, which is just about the most Massachusetts thing you've ever heard. It, it, it very well could be <laughs> a town in Massachusetts somewhere from the Berkshires over to the Cape, for instance. Um, and the reason why they're doing this is they're trying to make a fresh start after some uh, experienced trauma in Texas. I believe it's Houston, Texas that they're 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 leaving. Yeah, they leave Houston. Yes, yeah. that's all in the first episode. Yeah. It is, and so um, I mean, uh, look, card cards on the table here, right? It, it's it's revealed that Georgia had been married to a sugar daddy yoga studio owner, who had died in a car accident, but he had a heart attack that caused the car accident, and then it's actually just revealed in the pilot that she poisoned the guy with wolfsbane. That's not really a spoiler because you do find out within 58 minutes. So uh, anyway, so you see there's some heat. Sorry. Um, yeah. So don't worry about it. Uh, so she's interested in turning the page. Mom uh, is interested in turning the page before anyone gets wise to her uh, thing. And of course, one of the you know things of the show, one of the subplots is that they are kind of wise to her. She's got some heat on her. People are looking at her. They're looking for her. Uh, so Jenny is only 15 years old. It's only 15 years separated from Georgia in terms of, of yes. age. Uh, so, for instance, Jenny is 15. Mom is 30 in, in, in the chronology of the show uh, because she was the result of a teenage tryst. Uh, so much of the show's tension slash comedy hinges on the lack of an age gap. And, and, of course, how unorthodox Georgia is as a parent, which is established pretty early on in the first episode. Probably within the first beat, actually. Like the first scene is all about that. Uh, and leads on a little heavily, but whatever. So the show was created by a first-time showrunner, a woman named Sarah Lampert. Um, I'm surprised because she really, this was it. There's no other credits. Uh, she's a young person. And um, I don't know how you jump from no credits to a giant Netflix thing, but this is the world we live in. Uh, I'm not saying she doesn't deserve it, but uh, it's, things have become very unorthodox right, uh, lately. Uh, and it is it is executive produced by a woman named Deborah Fisher, who I think was more of a uh, experienced TV hand. So the two of them were, were guiding the show. Uh, the you know the youthful exuberism exuberance rather of Sarah Lampert with exuberism. the exuberism. Good word. A, yeah, thank you. It yeah. just debuted in February. Um, so this is not necessarily a new show. It's a new-ish program. Uh, it had a great crush of numbers when it came out. Did very well. Apparently, it beat the shit out of Wandavision, which I was surprised to read that. I know it's like we again. What do numbers mean today, anyway? Honestly, because everyone's publishing their own numbers. There's no, you know, there's no Nielsen. There's no, uh, I, honestly, the, the tracking is all internal. So we, we have no idea what people say. But you know, if you're going to say these numbers from Disney Plus are credible, the numbers from Netflix are credible. Ginny and Georgia outpaced uh, WandaVision. I mean, you could probably see why. There's there's definitely something more of a pop buzz to it, less of a barrier to entry than maybe the WandaVision show had. Um, show had gone to great pains to build a diverse cast. Uh, Jenny, the daughter, is biracial. Um, she's actually played by a biracial actress named uh, Antonia Gentry. She, she's a classically trained actress out of Atlanta, Georgia. There are gay characters. There are Asian characters. There are deaf characters. You name it. You got all the representation. It's all here. In fact, it looks exactly... In my experience, from what most Netflix scripted series do these days, and we've talked about a couple of them on this show, from the, uh, what is it, the 13 Reasons Why, and the Bridgertons, and things of, things of that nature. This is, uh, the, the, this is the, way they're, the way they're building them these days. 
Um, so w- one of the reasons why we're talking about it now, I mean, again, maybe a couple of weeks ago would have been the peak of it, uh, but it courted controversy with a few flare-ups. Namely, the first one was this, um, you may have heard about this, the, the Oppression Olympics sequence in, in, <laughs> in episode eight, uh, which, which kind of became a viral thing. It, it, it trended on yeah. Twitter, Facebook news, that sort of thing. It was a showdown between the character of Ginny and her high school boyfriend, this, the half Taiwanese character named um, Hunter. 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 Yeah. Uh, yeah. Over who was more put upon. Uh, which, which of the, first of all, yeah, who was more put upon and then who is less authentic? um in in their little new england town so so that's the kind of thing that does attract some attention when you put it out there there was also uh separate from this there was also a throwaway line just you know one of the rat-a-tat-a-tat script beats they put in there about how the the mother said something some throwaway line about taylor swift's romantic history like you go through boys faster yeah. than taylor swift no the the, the uh uh max max jenny jenny Oh, Jenny, said, Jenny okay. says that to Georgia, doesn't she? Okay. Yeah. So the mom is, you know, uh, one of the cruxes of this is Ginny in many ways. She's 15, Georgia's 30. Ginny seems more mature than Georgia. Yeah. So yeah, 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 right. uh, I believe Ginny says, you go through men faster than Taylor Swift. So. Yeah, and so that, they were, there was a, um, much like the stock footage from Vietnam of the carpet bombing of the jungle, there there was a flotilla, an airstrike got called down on the position, and this, the show was scorched. Wow, that is a comparison. It was, that is a comparison it was, for the ages, my friend. Scorched, okay. It was scorched and carbonized by the Swift, carbonized by the Swifties. Uh, they were review-bombed as, as the, in the parlance of the yes. realm. The lingua franca uses the term review-bombed. And it's like Noah pointed out, if you go to um, Metacritic, it's like it has some ridiculously low audience. Rate. Like the critical yeah, rating. Zero, 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 zero. But, but here's, the, here's the thing I find most interesting is that this wasn't fans independently. You know, this isn't like Justin Bieber fans and death threats to Esperanza Spalding because she beat him out for Grammy Best New Artist. This was instigated by Taylor Swift herself. She tweeted like, oh, lame joke, you know. Uh, lame joke, uh, Ginny and Georgia, like making fun of me and blah, blah, blah. It's an old joke. It's lame. It, it's sexist, all that. Uh, she was upset because she's doing some other project with Netflix. So she felt betrayed. So she, you know, yeah. I have to imagine if Taylor hadn't made a big deal about it, it probably would have flown under the radar. Yeah. Because as you said, the rat-a-tat-tat, barely noticeable. I mean, it's such an old joke. The Onion was making that joke seven, eight years ago. Oh, at least, at least. Um, not, so. Yeah. I don't think this would have gotten traction if Taylor hadn't, you know, called attention to it. Well, that's that's just uh, sort of the grounding there. Um, no, I want to I want to throw it to you. And uh, yeah. I, how how much of the show did you watch, and what did you think of it, my friend? So I made it through five episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, and and by the way, I think we need an audio sting mm-hmm. uh, when we give our little disclaimer that there will be white splaining. Yes. Um, and well, probably even some mansplaining, just, maybe I'll, some straight explaining. I'll, I'll just use EDP's figure yeah. out a bowl. We'll put it under there. I already have that. <laughs> okay. All right, good. White splaining ahead. Um, although I hate calling myself white, but that's for other reasons. Whatever. Anyway. Uh, all right. So I think the show's all right. You know, it's not bad. Uh, if Sarah Lampert has no television experience and she's really in charge of this, uh, I, I think quite quite talented and a lot of promise because if this is your first out of the gate, I think it's very good. Uh, you know, I think the show's not bad. I think there are good performances. I think the drama is reasonably involving. 
Uh, I think, you know, much, much of the plot is, uh, you know, Ginny, it's kind of bifurcated between Ginny and George as the main characters, but much of the plot is Ginny and her boyfriend and her friends. There's a bit of a love triangle. There's another guy she's really kind of more in love with who's the twin brother of her best friend and then her little girl group and then the hangers-on and others. Um, I feel like those teen scenes feel, from my perspective on what it's like to be a teen now, very true to life. There are long scenes of them just texting back and forth that are somehow, like, you know, captivating. Um, there was a great moment where her friend Max, who is uh, gay, kind of unconvincing as a lesbian, but whatever, let's roll with it, uh, has a crush on this other girl, and she's freaking out because she accidentally liked a two-year-old Instagram photo posted by her crush. She's like, oh my God, then she'll know I'm looking at her old photos and I'm in trouble. Like, what a specific thing that I can totally imagine is something that kids struggle with now that we never had to consider. Um, I think the characterization is thoughtful. It's not always successful, but it's thoughtful. Um, you know, it's far from perfect. Some characters are awful. I think that guy, Max, that uh, Max, Max is the guy, is the girl. Uh, Marcus, the, the guy that Ginny seems to like more, I think he's a terrible character. Um, and even Ginny, I think Ginny's a really good character, but she's got some issues, you know. Um, and that gets at one of the big problems. The show is all over the place, you know, like we hinted. It's a comedy, it's a dramedy, it's a drama. It, you know, it's got, uh, I read Grown Review, it's, it's got some wacky, desperate, ha uh, some wacky parks and recreation stuff, you know, um, George is dating the mayor, so you see some some town, small town administration that reminds you of Parks and Rec. But then you have the the bitchy other wives in town that's like Desperate Housewives. Then you have the murder mystery. Then you have the teen stuff. I mean, it's really just bombing the uh, Netflix algorithm. And you know maybe that's smart on their part. Uh, and then Ginny's a good character, but she's she knows everything, and she always has the witty quip, and uh, and she's cutting herself. It's revealed. I mean, it's. It's just kind of all over the place. Um, and then the, you know, you got it, the oppression Olympic scene. And, and I mean, the Taylor Swift thing, I think, is just stupid. I think I'll get back to that in a minute. But the racial stuff, um, you know, some of it's pretty awkward. Um, but again, this is this is the white splaining happening. I think for a teen drama, it works. Uh, there was an article I read in the BuzzFeed News by a writer named Liv Facey. And she she says, I mean, she sounds pretty young. She says she's a black woman. And she just finds the racial stuff to be com a complete fail. I mean, she likes the show, but she says it completely fails. Why, uh, all the microaggressions that uh, that Ginny's friends visit. Oh, you're so exotic looking. And they kind of laugh when she has a problem with her black girl hair and all that. Like, she criticizes that. But... I'm going to push back on that because, you know, I didn't have to deal with the shit. I, I moved when I was 15, so I can relate to Jenny a little. And, you know, the fact that she doesn't push back when people microaggress her, like, give the girl a fucking break. She's 15 and she just moved. And my impression, again, white splitting, my impression is that when teenagers are singled out or insulted you know, especially when they're in the minority, literally minority, she's like one of the only black girls at the school, uh, they don't speak up. They don't push back in their friends because it's scary and it's hard and you want to fit in. Uh, so that actually seems true to life to me. This writer's criticizing her for not pushing back on her friends. And by the way, the girl in her friend group who says the most obnoxious stuff, oh, I want to marry a black man so we have beautiful mixed babies. Like, she's not even really one of her best friends. She's sort of this girl that the other girls kind of keep on the sidelines. 
So it seems true to life to me that Ginny just rolls her eyes and and I'm sure feels bad about it, but it seems true to life that she doesn't like stand up and say, you know, take that back, that's insulting. And even her boyfriend Hunter, who actually I relate to Hunter quite a bit, I'll tell you the truth. He's very afraid of he likes this girl, but he's afraid of crossing a line and being a bad guy. And, you know, he really wants to not be too aggressive sexually. And I I really relate to that, remembering what I was like as a teenager. And I relate to the problem that, like, because he's doing that, Ginny's, like, losing interest and turning to this other guy, Marcus. Like, dude, I ran into that. I liked a girl, but because I couldn't say it, I lost the girl, right? That shit happened to me. She wanted me to get a little aggressive, and I wouldn't do it, right? Um, and I lose. Um, so I think from my perspective, I think the racial stuff fucking works. So I don't know. I think the show's all right. You know, it's not, I'm not the demographic, but it's not bad. I will say this, and this is a real get off my lawn moment. I'm a little uncomfortable with the excess of underage drinking. These kids are fucking 15 and they're just pounding down shots with no consideration of anything. What about the weed? One girl says- There's a lot of cannabis culture too. There's a little cannabis, but there's more drinking. I think the underage sex is dealt with a little more thoughtfully. Like kids talk about having done it, but you know, with their boyfriend, girlfriend, stuff like that. Um, but 15, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure in some cultures, it's some cultures, some towns some places. It's pretty typical. My impression I get is that teenagers these days kind of veer to extremes. They're either fucking at 15 or they haven't yet kissed anyone at 17, you know? Um, so that makes me a little uncomfortable from a get-off-my-lawn standpoint, but, you know, I'll roll with it. So I think the show's all right. Uh, the Taylor Swift thing really quick. Again, I think she's blowing it out of proportion. And I find that especially ironic because I've told this story before. I once had a drink six years ago with a famous person who had gotten in a little trouble because they tweeted something, just a mild criticism that anyone would give. People like, how dare you insult this thing? And he told me, he said, I got advice from Taylor Swift. She said, never tweet, never say anything negative. Just on social media, just if you don't like something, just keep it to yourself. Don't say anything negative. So I find it ironic that Taylor Swift is saying something negative about the show in what I think is just, you know, a joke that I think she should let roll off her back. It's a lame joke. It's a stale joke. It's not that harsh. It doesn't strike me as that sexist. So I find it ironic that Taylor Swift is, is blowing it up on social media, but who cares? It's like she was bored that day or something. Who knows? Or, or waiting guess. for a plane or, to take off and just had a couple of minutes. Right. It touched It touched a nerve. You know, she's she's a human being. She's Taylor Swift, but she's a human being. But, mm. you know, she tweets about it and it, it leads to, you know, like you say, the Swifties carpet bombing, you know, Cambodia or whatever. <laughs> Yes, that's true. I did. I did it in, in invoke Cambodia. You you started that metaphor, my friend. I, I think it was appropriate. So that that is my opinion of Ginny and George. No, I think I, also I will say this because I'm this guy. I think, uh, like I said, I think the acting is good. What's her name? Uh, Brianna, who plays Georgia. Howie, Brianna Howie. Brianna Howie uh, is a good actress and very attractive. Sure. Yeah, I think I think everything you said was very thoughtful. I appreciate that. Um, Thank you. I, Thank I, you. I had I had a lot of trouble with this, and I'm I'm the one that suggested it because um, Ooh, I definitely wanted to get when, when the Impression Olympics thing came out. Uh, I I was slow to react, but I think it was definitely worth talking about. And again, you know, you're hanging with us, people. You know what you know what we're dealing with here, and it's it's not so old that it didn't ever happen in the first place. But the heat is off of it a little bit. But um, well, no, you. I, I don't think you mentioned this. They just announced it's been renewed for a second. That's true. Season. That's so, true. The second season. You know, yeah, it was. It's it, happening. It's 
it ain't going away. No, that's yeah. true. I mean, it, it, again, uh, Netflix, the Netflix uh, streaming channel off your set-top cable box uh, has, uh, you know, a lot. They've had some heat with the with the Bridgertons and whatnot. This is what they do. They get season twos out of things. Um, these algorithmically created shows. I had I had a I had a lot of trouble even watching the, the first scene. Put me off, and I realized, okay, this is what it's. This is the tone. It's what I expected it to be, but then it was just this. It was really discordant. It starts off with this um, driving scene as they're in a convertible. Uh, moving to, they're expositing what's going on uh, about you know where they're coming from, where they're going. They're they're deeply in their characters to give you a real hit of who these people are off the bat before they even get the you know the title and the credit sequence and and all those things. And it's a lot. It's a lot up front. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. You know, this show is is definitely designed for the Netflix viewer. They know who they're pitching for. Their their, their audience who was going for Bridgerton. You know, I, Bridgerton was another show where it's like I could not. I, it just did not compute. I get what they were doing. I could even see how it was done well, but I, I couldn't enjoy it. I almost couldn't hear it. I just could not appreciate it. It couldn't sink in. Um, it was like rolling off of me like a, like mercury or something. It just wasn't sinking in. And I, I there's so many bits and pieces of this that put me off. Not just the you know not just the show itself, but then this phenomenon about. Um, Netflix designing these things according to the algorithm and how, uh, you know, I, I kept thinking, did they, did Ted Sarandos personally go around the country with a, with a metal skillet and pound people in the heads to make them forget about Gilmore Girls? Because the only, yeah, the only, it's, yeah, it's, it, the, the Gilmore comparison is, I mean, Gilmore very, just came yeah, back. They, they just did, I think a year and a half ago, they just did their, uh, yeah. you know, season, their, their, you know, their, their comeback season of Gilmore Girls. I, they, I don't know if they're doing any more, but it's like Gilmore was a show that, I mean, it was always kind of struggling. It was a niche show, but the people who loved it really loved it. And it was this yeah, exact, it, di- it, it was yeah. th- this exact dynamic. I mean, you didn't have a boy child in there. That's the one thing where it gets, but it's like the whole thing about Gilmore is that, uh, Lauren, um, Graham, who played uh, uh, Laura Lai, I guess was the character's name. Yeah, she had, the, the, there was an age gap that wasn't as big as it should have been, and the, a lot of the show was you know this contingency of they moved to this town, and the mom and daughter's age age difference isn't isn't great, it, and you know a lot of the humor is based on the fact that mom is still in business, she's still going out there trying to catch a dick, you know, and, and doing all these things and com- Jesus. competing with her Come daughter. Come on, man, this is, that was. I thought Laurie Graham was very pretty. Uh, yeah, sure. Just gonna say it's that. Fine. That scene, that that, she, that scene where she's having sex in the car and Bad Santa did something. To she's fine. Just want to. She's say a that. fine actor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but th- this show. And she's a good. Well, but you know me, like good actor makes you prettier in my mind. Sure. That's 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 my way of absolving myself for being a right. It's supposed. Mean, that's the problem. Yeah. Good acting, good performer does make somebody sexy. Yeah. It's just a natural thing. But I mean, I understand that people who are watching this show never heard of Gilmore Girls. They might as well be talking about your show of shows or craft theater, <laughs> you know, in a Texaco home theater in, in 1951. Honestly, it's Texaco Star Texaco Theater. Texaco Star Theater. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Wasn't that the Milton Berle yeah, show? Yeah, that's what it was. Wasn't Texaco? Yes. Okay. Playhouse 90. Uncle all those things along the way. Yes, Playhouse um, If it didn't happen in the last 17 minutes, then it doesn't matter. But I'm so put off by the fact that, again, it's it, I'm... I'm hatcheting this show. While I was watching it, I was just so angry and so bothered by it because I'm I'm holding the show accountable for decisions Netflix makes. And then I felt bad about I felt bad about the way Netflix itself is actually. I used to think, oh, Netflix is responding, and you know they're just catching. Uh, they got fast reflexes, you know, fast twitch muscles. They're catching the shit before anybody else can. It's like maybe that was true ten years ago, maybe that was true twelve years ago, but it's like Netflix is now. 
uh, divining the way people take into shows. They are they are deciding. They have changed. The, at, at first, they were ahead of the curve. Now they're actually designing the curve. They're building the, the degree of the curve themselves. So these shows exist more um, algorithmically, more strategically. There's a lot more cynical building of actually, you know, stitching together uh, uh, amino acids to make proteins with this show than, for instance, there was with... Um, what was it, Lilyhammer or Orange the New Black or any of those shows that started the Netflix generation, those were shows that came out of creative, um, you know, wellsprings. These shows were designed to make sure that there's more subscribers and they get a season two. And I, whatever was happening, no matter how well it was done, and it's like, well, these don't seem like real people. They seem like impossibly beautiful Canadian actors, and they all were. Everyone was pretty. The boys were pretty. They had soft, pillowy lips, you know, high cheekbones. They all yeah. look, They everyone looks vague. Uh, look yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, definitely that guy, uh, Marcus, but Terrible. he's a shitty character. He's a shitty yes. actor, yeah. And it's like, he... he no, he's a bad... He, he, he's, he's a... I can't believe she's more interested in him than Hunter. I just think Hunter's such a better guy, more real, more interesting, I better think, looking I think, every way. I think, I think they just. Superior, I think they whatever. just want that guy. His name is uh, Felix uh, something or other. Uh, Felix Mallard. Felix Mallard. Meyer. Mal- he he yeah. he's an, he's an Australian national. It's obvious that he's got some uh, Pacific Islander in his blood because he looks like uh, Taika Waititi. And it's like his two... Really? Yeah, I think so. I, don't know. I think he looks hyper white. But uh, Well, I don't, it doesn't matter. The racial thing doesn't matter. Up to the point where it's like he's got two blonde parents. And uh, it's like somehow they have this sort of Pacific, vaguely Pacific Islander looking kid who's, you know, terrible. He's got a terrible American accent. And again, they, they imported the fucking... Uh, this is a side note. But the kid, uh, Austin, is an Australian boy named Diesel. His real name is Diesel. Yeah, his real name is Diesel. So Who names their kid D? I'm sorry. I, I know I don't like making fun of names but just diesel he's just really? he was obviously raised to be an actor he's a stage child and that's the whole point of it was to make him an actor and it worked they won 10 year old kid uh yeah but anyway it's like there were so many things i could see through the conceit from everything none of it's none of it held together so uh i i hated it i absolutely hated it but i don't think it's fair i think i hate netflix i think i hate the way netflix you know builds its, its primordial ooze that this, these these you know these these the what are the peptide chains arise out of it because i think that in the end they're changing they're changing the way people view tv because people will look at this and say this is the way tv is rather than it's like no 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 netflix is changing the way tv is to this shape and this shape is it's all based on quadrants it's all it's it's i don't think it's organic i don't think it's particularly well done i get the things that people like about it you know we'll get into that in the next segment but um it, it it just filled me with this this real deep sense of inauthenticity and and you know nothing seemed nothing seemed real not from the fact that they're obviously in Toronto and they're calling it Massachusetts this is the same fucking neighborhood that that Handmaid's Tale was shot in the suburbs of Toronto for Christ's sake it's so obvious well, I, yeah I don't think it's obvious at all I think it I you know I, I dare say I've spent more time in New England than you and I think it could pass for a New England town really you don't think so not at all. Not at all. I, I, just because it's like, I, I, I know that disagree. these are all Canadian actors. They're all from fucking Calgary. They're all from... But this is your fucking problem, man. You're just, like you said, you're 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 putting the sins of... You're not judging the show on its own merits. No. You're judging the show on the merits of how angry you are yeah. at Netflix's business model. Yes. And That's I true. think you're... you're right. I, I'll, but, I'll, but, I'll say that, look, I, I want a tangent, yeah, but I will well. say this. I do think that what was bright about this was Antonia Gentry, uh, the actress who played Ginny. 
obviously yeah she, i think she's really good i think she's really good too uh i think the things that they ask her to do are, are have are really uneven the fact that the tone shifts from screwball comedy to, to to literally she's what is she doing burning herself with a zippo lighter is that what she's doing in her in her bedroom she's she's oh uh, yeah i forgot about that she's yeah. scarring and the flashback she was yeah. beaten by her stepfather right right, right. yeah 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 lived this horrible life and you know changed her name impulsively and She's got a gun that she's aiming at stuff. Yeah, it's it's the act- no, I, it is all over the place. The actor, yeah. I mean, I, I can't, I can't. You know, I respect the hustle. Antonia Gentry is is a fine lead, deserves her own show, and I'm I'm sure yeah. she will have a, 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 a she will have a career that will be to me more reputable with better material. But this this ain't it, man. I'm sorry. Do you think this song is appropriate for the nine year old in the back? Oh please, he doesn't understand any of it. Austin, what's this song about? Doing it on the bathroom floor and getting caught in line so you don't get in trouble. <laughs> Go back to your Harry Potter game. So, Bill, uh, you know, of course, we were barely aware this existed in the past couple months, but it caught on. It got some solid numbers, and, you know, it stirred controversy, which they're probably more happy about than unhappy about. Uh, and so it gets a second season. So why is this a hit? Why do people like this? Well, I think that if you get on the list, I, you know, I could see the Netflix boxes they checked off. They're they're pretty well uh, represented. Yeah. Yes. And you know, there's there's like no nuance to any of it, which I think is probably one of the fact that it's so easy to start watching and it's so easy to understand immediately through the first sixty minutes yeah. what everything is going to be. Um, but that's well. What, but you say that like that's a problem. But but no, and this that's a hallmark of good storytelling. Well, there, I mean, there, there's good storytelling, and then there's obvious storytelling. I think sometimes obvious. I'm not. I'm not. Right. You know, I'm just saying it's a different school thing. It's like some Night Court was obvious, but it was funny. Sopranos is not obvious, Night but it's Court. really good. You know, what I'm saying it's like there's obviously. I think Sopranos is very easy to get into very quickly. Well, I think that's part of why it, it's it, like one of the best shows. It ever. requires a lot of the. It requires a little more problem solving from the audience in a good way. Um, but again, th- this show is resolutely feminist it's disobedient it's naughty and profane i'm saying these are good things these are very good things it, it is talking seriously about about female sexuality especially amongst um young t- uh, college age or teenage pre-college collegiate age girls um, not that again not that there's a, a dearth of sexual talk but it's like you actually this is written from a female point of view and so there's no shame involved or there's very little shame involved or if there is shame it pushes back and claps back at it in such a way that you know people wishes they wish they had that kind of treatment of sexuality when we were kids in the 80s um people are growing up now where they're they're immediately um bolstered and swept up and and made i think made to feel more confident whether or not it, it gets through to them but that's the tone of the show um you know, but I, I think, you know, syntactically, it's it's filled with the chopped up bits of everything which is ever sold. And it's based on a reconstituted mold of things which were already popular. Um, now, I know that that's, again, I'm talking about Netflix again, but that is why these are why these things are successful. On a, on a craft wise, I can tell you the things that it did, but on a business angle, you know, they absolutely knew what they were getting. They were going to get a hit. You know, we could we could discuss the uh, oppression Olympics thing, although it's kind of dangerous. I could say that um, that episode was credited to two non-white writers, but the wellspring of that episode came from the white creators, and they decided to ask the two actors to kind of workshop it first, and then they, I yeah. think they they yeah. they springboarded the script. They tried. They, they tried. tried. They tried. They might have failed, but they tried. And it's it's yeah. difficult to ask two non-white actors to do this. It, I, I think it was intruding again. It doesn't be on my pay grade. I think it's intruding a little bit in uh, uh, things that they, the, the, the Sarah Lampert 
shouldn't necessarily have been asking people to do because I don't think she's got a good handle on it, but that's just me. Um, yeah. And so, um, uh, you know, it, it, this really is important that there's no legacy. No legacy exists in, in the, the immediate memory and long-term memory because once you have no memory of what came five years ago, you can instantly resell it. And it's like, it never happened. It's like, this is the first time it happened. And I think this show benefits from a, a number of different Venn, Venn diagram circles overlapping with one another. You got a hit, you got a Netflix hit, you're going to get season two. Yeah. I mean, I think you're criticizing it for things. I'm that, trying to praise it. No, I'm not even trying to it criticize to? it. I know, but, but TV for decades was, was chopped up and machine made and come on. I mean, I'm com- it's not compared to the fucking Sopranos, you know. But it's I'm to comparing it to Happy Days or whatever. I'm comparing it to well, I mean, in terms of recently, Emily, uh, what is it, Emily in Paris, and and all these things along the way. Like their right. their shows are very much. You've already seen this, you know. This this is something you've seen, but it's like you, or we've seen it. All right, their their audience. Is- but this is a show for fucking kids. Sure. What do you want? I I mean, this is a, I, I imagine this the target demographic is the age of Ginny, right? Is 15, 16. I actually I. I, uh, I t- while watching it, I texted, you know, my friend Lee Devine, whose daughter, Harper, is now 16. And I thought, oh, does Harper like this? Because I remember Harper, one of our older topics I compare this to is Riverdale. And Harper loved Riverdale. I mean, this was a couple of years ago. Who knows what she thinks now? So I said, oh, she should check it out. I feel like she would be into the show. And she's a 16-year-old girl. So there you go. That's who I thought of, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you're exactly right. It cracks the algorithm. Uh, you know, the fact that it's all over the place is a bit of a benefit. There's something yeah, for everyone. I think that's everyone. exactly what they want. I mean, even yeah. that BuzzFeed article that says it's all over the place and it gets the racial stuff wrong. She's like, I love this show. And I watched the whole thing in 24 hours. It was 10 episodes, I believe. And look, I'll give it credit. Like the elements that I think are true to life, like those things are appealing. I think, uh, you know, that, that's sticky, that you want to see something that really reminds you of how you obsess over your crushes and, the texting threads with friends of what does it mean when someone leaves the thread or when someone uh, you send them someone, you see the three little dots they're writing back and then the dots disappear, right? Like these are very specific things that I think do factor into the lives of the target demographic of the show. So it's going to draw them in. And while I don't think they actively courted controversy with the, the racial issues, look, they want, they want people talking about it. They want people tweeting about it. They want stuff happening. Uh, I doubt they're really upset that they have a bad Metacritic score, especially since as soon as you look at it, it's totally transparent. These people aren't giving it a zero because they don't like the storytelling. They're giving it a zero because, you know, Goddess Taylor is unhappy. And so they, therefore I do the reviews video, identify right? it's like upfront. That's the, it's a one line review that, that yeah. names Taylor Swift and that lets you know who these sexist are. jokes. Rah, 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 rah. Yeah. And again, like mansplaining, I, I, I don't see that joke as particularly sexist. I see it more like. Well, it's, yeah, okay, it's sexist in that you probably would make that criticism of a male celebrity, but it's it's so cliche and so old that I think it's its power of sexism is pretty watered down. Um, but, yeah, you know, again, I just don't think the makers of this, they probably consider it a net gain. Yeah, I right? think you're right. Because, yep. oh, now I know about it, I'll check it out, right? Yep. So, yeah, why is it popular... It cracks the algorithm, and I'll say, because it's, it's not bad. This is the new thing you're doing now? Hate on mom? Come on. This isn't us. We're like the Gilmore girls, but with bigger boobs. Noah, tell me, uh, would you have liked this as a uh, Netflix-watching, ADD-filled, uh, anti-vaccine-taking uh, kid? 
I like these characters. You know, at first I'm like, oh, Max is so annoying. She's like, what, uh, what, uh, you know, a, a TV producer thinks is a quirky girl. You know, we'll make her hyper, always talking, always clever, you know, with the silly slang and then tack on. Oh, by the way, she's a lesbian, you know, just yeah. kind of tacking that on. She's a kitchen sink. And really she's just is. like, she's just like every other girl. Oh, my crush of this. I'm broken up. I'm terrible. But just happens. It's a girl. Uh, although in the later episode, there is a scene of her finally making out with her, um, her crush. And I think they handle it rather tastefully because it is, you know, they're into each other. There is heat there, but it's. It is, it is prurient, but no more prurient than it needs to be. And I appreciate that. From the point of view of an LGBTQ ally. Uh, so, but that being said, I like most of these kids. I like Ginny. I like her friend group because they actually seem to give a shit about each other. I mean, that moment, there's a scene where, um, how many episodes did you watch? I watched uh, three. I can only make it three deep. Okay. You suck. Uh, I don't know if he made it to the scene where Ginny and a couple of the girls uh, shoplift. Yes, I saw that. That was, that girl, was episode eight. The, the other girls. Right. No, that wasn't eight. No, episode. Or unless they do it again. Uh, maybe they do it again. You skipped ahead. Eight was the one with the oppression Olympics. So I skipped I think, ahead but I, to that. I think that, but, yeah, that's, yeah, I did too. Yeah. Anyway, they kind of throw Ginny under the bus, which seems atypical for the other scenes. These girls seem very flawed, but they really seem to give a shit about each other. Like, sort of, at the end of the day, friendship matters, and they get that, and they have each other's backs. And I like that. And I like Hunter, because Hunter seems to care, and I relate to him. And he seems confused about romance in a way I was, while still, you know, genuinely thinking Ginny's hot and, you know, wanting to grab her boob, you know, because uh, he's a human being. So... I think I would relate to this show. I mean, maybe the quote-unquote... It's definitely more for girls than guys. Maybe that would turn me off. But I think I'd say, yeah, it's a pretty good show. I like the show. Or even be sitting home binging it, you know? Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, I mean, I'll tell you, I moved when I was 15. And, well, I'll get at this with the jealousy thing. But, like, for all the shit that Ginny deals with being, you know, one of the only black girls and the microaggressions and all that, like, wow. Like, within a week, she's got this super tight friend group and a boyfriend and another guy who's interested in her. You know, I, I was fucking invisible my first year in any place at 15, yeah, you know, yeah. begging for friends. So, um, you know, there's a bit of a, I can imagine myself being 15 and seeing this as a fantasy, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, you know, I, uh, obviously when I'm a kid, I don't think I can see the, um, the, the, the matrix code, you know, like, so in, in a way it makes this a little clearer to, to, to understand that I would not have liked it as a kid, but for different reasons. And I think it actually plays off of what you're saying in terms of, um, I, w I would have looked at this as a girl show, which I mean, I think it is. It's only because it's from a female point of view. Yeah, it's not like it's yes. not like anybody yeah. can enjoy it, but it's it's you know it is about uh, what. Well, but when you're a teenage boy, even if you like something, you might have a sense of like I'm not supposed to like this. That's true. That's true. Uh, that's right. there's so I, I won't watch it because I'm afraid. Oh, if they find out I like Ginny and Georgia, they'll think I'm a fag. I mean, you know, yeah. how many times did you have that fear as a kid? Sure, I mean, come on. sure. You know, I'd say actually when the Cosby Show came out, I sort of wondered, oh, is this for? I was what nine when it came out. Eight. Is, is this is this for white people? Could white people enjoy this? Oh, I I I. I felt like everyone watched the Cosby no, Show. No, they did, but, it, but in my house... And it made people feel like, oh, racism is gone because everybody likes Bill Cosby. I think that's part of the reason why it was popular. Yeah. White people would pat themselves on the back for thinking Bill Cosby was awesome. Yeah. 
but that's another story. Uh, but th- I mean, th- this this is uh, you know this this has the advantage of or there's some pieces of it you can think of as a soapy guilty pleasure. Um, that's the other way I think I could have gone into it, but I think the suds kind of you know the suds froth away too quickly to, to add up to anything. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I very simply though this doesn't. I keep saying there's there's a craft thing that I don't recognize any of these people. I I find it to be unauthentic or at least heavy on conceit. But my schooling, and I forget what one of our topics that came up early on, um, and we talked about the difference in high school and, and the way we did or did not have friends. And I really didn't have too many friends. And the ones I did was a much different dynamic. You know, we we didn't have dates. You know, we there, there wasn't, you know, we didn't talk to women. It was too intimidating. It was kind of like we were the unfuckables. Um, and rightly so. Honestly, that's that's not a bad thing in this case because we're not we weren't the kind of like high school teenagers who really earned, um, you know, interaction with the opposite sex, if that's what we're interested in. So it's like, you know, I, I didn't know that this world is unfamiliar as it is. I didn't know what it was like to have friends. I didn't know what it was like to be in a high school that sort of had this intimate feel to it. Also, um, I didn't mention it up front, but you could probably infer that this this is like a, an up, a middle to upper middle class paradise for TV. You know, the, the, the just about the only thing that doesn't get uh, represented on Netflix, by the way, are fat people and poor people. They stay away from anything that looks like real life. And it's so abhorrent to me. And the thing is, I had a real chip on my shoulder when I was younger because I was both fat and on the poverty line when I when I was growing up. And it's like, this just looks like it's celebrating, you know, some world that I have no idea exists. You know, like, I don't know who these people are. I don't know what their parents do. Uh, well, but Ginny addresses the poor thing. I mean, that is lamely maybe addressed. Okay. You know, uh, uh, Georgia's in over her head with money. That's a subplot, sure. right? Yeah, but it, Ginny's like this town, you know, there's that scene where Marcus says like, oh, Westbury, whatever it's called, Westville, Westbury? Will, Will, uh, Will, Wellsbury. Wellsbury, yeah. Wellsbury sucks. And Ginny's like, it does not suck. The school's great. Yeah. You have all these resources. The streets are safe. Like we didn't have that where I lived before. And then, of course, the flashbacks to Georgia, like it's implied she was in a trailer. She was dirt poor. Okay. She was, but I'm so- you know, what was considered white trash. And she's escaped I, that. I, I mean, maybe they're not addressing that in any deep intellectual way, but at least they're admitting that shit exists. I know, but it's like it doesn't, it I mean, doesn't, it, they, she still, other than occasionally she goes to buy a pair of shoes and then she steals the shoes and whatever. I don't know. So weird like that. Everyone is still living in this bubble, and I, I can't fucking relate to that. I don't know who these people are. I don't know what kind of economic uh, uh, utopia they're living in. Also, it really is a big fucking deal that they they go through the trouble of casting these beautiful actors. Not a single one of them has a BMI higher than, like, 2.5. It, yeah, that, it, that it is, is unfortunate. And if they did, they would be the there clown. Are more, right? There they are more the, deaf people yeah. in this show than fat people. That is yes. fucked. The, well, the, no, the deaf guy the deaf guy's he's heavy. He's heavy, but he's not fat. You know what I'm saying? This is the thing. It, I don't know. I think I, he's probably fat. But anyway, he's such a minor it's character. It's so fucked. Yeah. It's so fucked that that's the visual picture. And it's yeah. like it, it, any Netflix show you watch, it doesn't vary. That is very intentional. That is cruel, cruel casting. You have to stop. I shouldn't have gone all mom on you about that jerk off with the box. But I had a flashback of this age. Your whole life flashed before my eyes. And you were pregnant and broke and a high school dropout. And all that was fine. But then you had a super bratty teenage daughter. Is the success 
or maybe even the the the, the racial flaws. And by the way, I'm sorry, I made a, a mistake before I, I mentioned that article by the author Liv Facey. It's in Den of Geek. I think I said it was in BuzzFeed News. There's another interesting article in BuzzFeed News. But uh, correction, correction. I have the tab open. I just noticed that. Um, so is the success or maybe the failure in terms of its racial politics uh, of um, uh, Ginny and Georgia? I always forget if it's Ginny and Georgia or Georgia Ginny, and Ginny. Ginny, Ginny and Georgia. Ginny and Georgia. Yeah. Ginny, Ginny, Ginny's a more interesting character. Uh, is the success or perhaps failure of this show in any way an indication of the coming apocalypse. Well, this is ongoing. So this show is slotting into a process that's been going on for a couple of years now. Um, you know, and we're not talking about YouTube videos, which, you know, we, we I mean, we've been talking about YouTube videos piecemeal, but not in aggregate um, to some degree. But I, it does make me sad that this this is part of the active ongoing alteration of viewing habits, you know, to, to this shape and form and pace. It's, it's changing storytelling. Which is amazing because it's like, I'm not saying storytelling is should be one thing. Uh, you know, people are doing more than the, you know, Homeric tradition of speaking tales around a fire. But um, I, I, I don't like the shape of this storytelling because I think it's facile. Um, Sign of the Apocalypse, not so much. But I mean, you know, Netflix, uh, other things have co-opted the Netflix model. I think that, you know, when you go to Prime and now you go to all these other shows... Um, on streaming services, you know, Peacock and, and, and what is it, Paramount Plus. And, and these things are emulating Netflix, but they're doing it with the networks in mind. But everyone's trying to hit that same target. I mean, hell, even Quibi was trying to do that, too. And, you know, Quibi, Quibi died on the vine. Uh, but, you know, I, I can see how dolorous it is that we get Netflix's thumb uh, on, on the narrative scale in this case. Uh, but but here's here's something else you know here's going back to topic out to, you know uh, superficialities and, and whatnot for a show like this Th this thing really bothered me and I kept it for this segment which is the fucking age gap really bothers me and I really I, yeah I'll tell you why is because it there has been you you look now they have been rolling back the age of maternity for many many years now in, I'm saying in our in our modern epic epoch. If you look at storytelling, at once it was ridiculous to look at Julie Bowen in uh, Modern Family. And for however old Julie Bowen was, that Julie Bowen had daughters that she would have had to have been 13 years old to have. Now, the actors, the actors who are... I, I, I think that's a bit of an it's exaggeration. Not, it's not an exaggeration. And the thing is now there's only 10 okay, years. Okay, I'm, I'm going to look that up. There's 10 ahead. years, 10 years differing between uh, actor Brianna Howie and um, Antonio. Really? Jensen. 10 years wow. now in the show okay i saw antonia gentry is 23 but she plays a 15 mm -hmm. year old when this was filmed she was 21 or 22 right yeah i mean and you're saying that that brianna howie brianne howie whatever her name is is in her early 30s she's 30 she's 32 30 yeah okay that's the thing so that okay. there's supposed to be 15 years difference but the thing is visually 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 the two actors do not look far enough apart in age and i understand that's part of what they're but it's it, i know i think they look 15 years apart i, I do not fair. think at all they look 15 years apart i uh, i i think i, I think it is so cruel now that it tv is really actively giving you the idea that you know what guess what a mother looks like a mother looks like brianna howie that's what a mother looks like and you know what a mother's a grandmother's going to look like a fucking grandmother is going to look like someone who's 48 years old I mean, not that there aren't 48-year-old grandmothers, but, and if you're a 48-year-old grandmother, you better as fuck well be Botoxed and filled with the fat lips and all those things with an eye lift because they're not going to let you on TV. I mean, and that's the, this beautiful, pulchritudinous casting. Netflix is so unimaginative, so boring, so out of the book with this stuff. 
Now to be a mother of a fucking 23-year-old actor, you have to be 32. I, 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 that is... But that, but the cat. Who cares how old the actor is? The character's. 15. I'm looking at human beings. That's. I don't care what the text is. I'm All looking right. at these humans, and it is is patently absurd for you to ask me to believe this. Just the same way, I don't believe they're fucking. But that's the point of the show. Just, the whole gimmick is that there's this tiny difference. They look completely different because she's this blonde girl, 15, blonde 15 woman, years. and the girl is is half black, and. And that the, the girl is more mature than the adult. That's the the gimmick of the show. If, the, if she had the kid at twenty, like like my mom actually no, my mom had me when she was nineteen. It's like I think I think that I had more maturity than my mother. It's like it still works if you make it sort of biologically age appropriate. And I'm not saying fifteen year old people don't have kids. It's just that it's like it's setting up this this natural order. This you're now it's going to be like all these mothers have to be this young. And, you know, when your kid is that age, you have to look this young. I mean, that is insidious. It is insidious messaging. That's, that's, that is a sign of the apocalypse for sure. All right. So I don't think this is a sign of the apocalypse. I hear what you're saying. It might be impressing some bad lessons on us. I think that's nothing new in certainly entertainment in our lifetimes. So pre-internet, pre-Netflix. So I'm not going to say that's apocalyptic. Um... I think in spite of the fact that it sometimes feels forced, I think the normalizing of LGBT is something I always like to see that a kid can be queer and it's barely worth addressing. Now some would say you need to, I mean, that's kind of thing here, but the racial stuff, you need to address it to deal with it. And that gets to the other thing. It might not handle the racism. Well, the oppression Olympic scene might be awkward and you know, I'll accept the premise that it does more harm than good. Fine. But what I definitely think it's doing is it's normalizing and mainstreaming that these are things that need to be dealt with and need to be talked about. And that's half the fight. Because if you look at the specific way that, you know, bigots in the country today try to fight back is it's more they don't want to talk about it. You can't talk about the 1619 project, whatever it's called. You can't talk about... Uh, you, you can't even have these discussions. There is no, uh, you know, endemic racism in this country. They don't. They don't really. They they want to shut down the conversation. And I think simply the fact that they had, you could say that oppression Olympic scene was a total fucking shit show. I don't see it that way, but fine, okay, I'll accept that. Um, but at least they're saying these are things that need to be talked about. You know, I don't think it's fair to say Ginny should push back every time. You know, someone says something insensitive to her, but come on, she's a 15 year old girl. At least they show her rolling her eyes and you see that like, this is an issue. This is something black kids deal with, mixed race kids deal with. This is not nothing. This is an issue that needs to be, it's part of life, even in a stupid Netflix show. I think that's half the fight. So I'm going to give the show credit for doing that. All right. From my POV. So this show is not apocalypse. This show is... You know, I, I don't want to compare it to The Sopranos, but if I compare it to, I don't know, pulling out of my ass happy days, I think it's a lot better than that. You really think that if I followed the rules, I could have possibly won? You don't get it. You are closer to white than I'll ever be. Together, we make a whole white person. Your favorite food is cheeseburgers, and I know more Mandarin than you do. You're barely even Asian. Sorry, I'm not Chinese enough for you, but I've never seen you pound back jerk chicken. Last time I checked, Brody twerks better than you. I liked your poem, but your bars could use a little more work, homie. So really, how black are you then? Excuse me? What? Literally, what? 
because if we're going to play that game, let's do it. Oppression Olympics. Let's go. All right, Noah, finally uh, into our home stretch here, uh, last two topics. What do you think about jealousy? Are you jealous of, I'm trying to figure how this would really figure into it. Yeah, totally. First of all, I, I wish I were still young and I could, you know, live life the way these kids do in a nice little suburbs where everyone's friends. And of course, I mentioned I moved when I was 15 and I was, I was completely invisible when I was 15. You know, that first year in my new place, I barely made friends and I always felt like anyone who hung out with me, I was begging them, you know? So I wish I could move someplace when I'm 15. And even if I have to deal with racial bullshit, I mean, I had to deal with other kinds of bullshit that felt just, that felt pretty demeaning. I mean, I can't compare it to their experience accurately, but I felt pretty demeaned. I'll tell you that. Uh, You know, I wish I had a solid friend group within two weeks of moving. I wish I had a hot girlfriend to make out with then or now really. Um, So yeah, I'm jealous of Ginny in certain ways, you know, I mean, she's had, uh, in many ways, a much tougher life than me. Uh, but yeah, sure, I'm jealous. Why not? Sarah Lampert gets a gets to run a show straight out of the gate. I tried that. I got nowhere. She has a hit show. I'm jealous of that. Yeah. Why not? No, that's that's. I think that's where you can get the uh, traction for me. You know, I I, I yeah. mean, I don't recognize these people in the show. It's not a life. It's science fiction. I might as well be watching an episode of The Outer Limits, to be honest. So there's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing in the show that it makes me jealous. Um, but I was also thinking then, you know, in a larger picture, in terms of uh, my jealous of those people who get to enjoy this. Am I jealous that there's some vitamin that people are getting? From these sort of shows, the fact that Netflix is going out of their way to program so much stuff, um, you know, and it's, and it's a corrective because, to be honest, there really weren't that many shows for what you'd say a female audience or whatever. That I'm not saying it's only females who watch it, but um, I think there have been a lot of shows for a female audience for a long time, but not not nearly as many as there were Night Riders. You know, what I'm saying it's like there was a way the business was done for many years where well, it depends what you mean. Every soap opera was for a female audience. Yeah, but there weren't that many I mean, soap operas. How deep do you want to go? Well, you know? I think for the history of TV, it's it's a relatively recent conceit that this entertainment is getting better when it is actually. Well, I should say, how about this female showrunners, female show creators? That that oh okay yes yeah. yes. Okay, no, that is true. Right, but then I thought, like I said, on, on, a, on a sort of global thing, it's like I have all the Star Wars slash Marvel stuff, you know, like in terms of, you know, what has been regularly happening recently is on Friday mornings, I go to watch the Falcon show that was on the Disney Plus. And before that, it was the, the Boba Fett Mandalorian show. Um, that is the closest equivalent, I think. By the way, I, I, I find that those alien civilizations with their fishmen and whatnot and their little green Yoda baby is more realistic or somehow relates more to what the life I live on a daily basis is than whatever happens on this show. <laughs> but no, this, I, so I have plenty of male hetero soap operas, you know, as a counterpart to this. So I really, I really don't feel like I have any right to, to feel any kind of envy. You know, it's like, again, I, I, if I haven't, I and I haven't said this, it's like, I do think that more of this stuff is, it's, it's absolutely necessary. Whoever Sarah Lampert is, She's only one of 15 people who could be doing this. There's still not nearly as much representation among female showrunners it is, and, and female development executives and female studio heads and female editors. And, you know, this is still a male-run business. Those problems still exist. This kind of thing needs more and more, uh, needs to be chipped away at. I think it is overall indicative of the health of the business when these are the people that are coming out of the boonies because, you know, it really took no... Uh, difficulty whatsoever to find any idiot man in the past. I'm saying just with, you know, with nothing on his resume to do something on a big network. That happened many, many times. So this is the, you know, now it's starting to happen with female uh, showrunners or, you know, and I think that, 
again, that's that's a better trend than just giving it to your cousin or your fucking nephew or something like that. Yes. Fine. Uh, yeah, fine. So uh, let's put this on the fallopian scale, Noah, on the the, the uh, axis of all things X, Y, and Z regarding to Jimmy Scallop. Uh, where would you find this uh, falling? The scallopian scale. Yes. I think over time, every episode, the what we call this should like <laughs> change by one letter. Yes. You know, we started the Felonian scale. Now we're at the fallopian scale. Yeah. So let's start today. Let's say it's the scallopian the scale. Scallopian scale. Shellfish. Yeah. And over time, it'll be like completely different. It'll be like, it's like uh, playing uh, the telephone game. Uh, so I mentioned Riverdale. I compare this to Riverdale, you know, soapy teen with some murder elements. Although Riverdale was completely humorless, it seemed. Um, and then I think of another teen soapy thing we looked at, 13 Reasons Why. So here's what I came up with. I think the show, again, I'm disagreeing with you. I think the show is so far superior to either of those shows. It's it's more thoughtful. It's more real. It's more entertaining. So I say this is Riverdale times three plus 13 Reasons Why times four. Wow. That's a, so, what, a factorial equation. You know, I don't even know what you call that kind of. Uh, right. Exactly. Take out your graphing calculator. Yeah, yeah. You know, turn, take out your T-square. Turn the graphic calculator upside you know, down. Make it say boobless. First thing you got to do. Make it say boobs. You know, yeah. pull your protractor out of your pocket protector. Yes, yes. Put it all together <laughs> and you will determine where uh, where um, Ginny and Georgia lands on the scalopian scale. Yeah. Well, I, I ultimately, this was pretty simple for me. I um, This is like all those things that, that require you to have Dory the fish's memory to enjoy. So I thought I thought of this as a simple um, times equation. This this for me is Lana Del Rey times Greta, Greta Van Fleet. Not that there aren't good things about those things, but ultimately it, it is just it re, it requires uh, a lack of memory, a lack of institutional heritage or anything like that. And you will enjoy it a lot more if you have not seen all the things that it's cribbing from. But you could say that about a lot of art, to be honest. Movies, music. But how many of those? Sorry, I should have addressed this earlier. How many things that it's cribbing from even try to address? racial differences how many of those things have lgbtq main characters without it being a huge deal oh my god he's gay uh how many of those shows even address you know uh jump on to deal with how texting affects everyday life you know i don't think any no well but that's that's the modern bent Te- happy days definitely did not use texting. okay did not use texting on happy yeah days. happy days did not Talk about, you know, Potsy texting Ralph and, like, miscommunication. Yeah, that, that was not Aaron, part of Aaron it, Moran no. being non-binary, that didn't happen along the way. That was not, <laughs> not a conversation they had on that show. Well, you know, it's, it, Fonzie was very offended that, um, you know, that uh, uh, Mrs. Cunningham called him Arthur. That's true. You know, he prefers Fonz. Yeah, he was, the Fonz he was being Fonzie. dead named. You're right. Yeah, you know? you're not wrong. Yeah. yeah. Mr. C, you know, Fonzie. I love how he'd say that. Okay, everyone. If you'd like to find past episodes of this show, uh, this, this actual episode, not yeah, we, 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 look on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us at Noenville Show. Write to us, Noenville Don't Get It. Gmail.com gives us a review. That's how people find podcasts. I'm on Twitter being incorrect all the time in the Twitter Oppression Olympics. Is that what it was? Yeah, Oppression Olympics. At William Scurry. My video content is youtube.com slash amcaesar. And here's Noah. Uh, big quiz thing, bigquizthing.com. Corporate and private trivia events. Virtual now, in person again soon. Thank you. <laughs> That's just freaking got me by. Just not in the mood, dude. I'm not in the mood. 
this is this is I got a lot on my plate. This is my marketing that's team's true. job. That's true. Fuck. Yeah, you're out. You out. Uh, so you should get somebody else to do this at the end anyway. Just bring them on for a couple of seconds. I know. Just bring them on for that. Yeah, they'll say it better than I can ever say it. Nah, it's all good. Yeah, we're we're, we're busy. Work works good. good. Works good. All right, everyone. Until next week's episode, we don't, we don't get, get it. it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises, 2021.